0: God bless. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all are doing well at home. Uh, miss you guys, miss being able to gather together once again. Uh, so, hopefully, we will be able to move forward and see each other here in person, but we do not know exactly when yet. Um, pray, though, that we can have a little bit more. Um, I guess, direction. Uh, leadership is actually going to be meeting on Zoom today. I didn't know the Dodger game was going to be here, so I just want you to know the sacrifice making for leadership. Um, but we are going to be having a leadership meeting, and that's going to be one of the things we talk about, is when is it going to be okay to meet? Uh, if, if you're like me and you see things, you know that there are some people who are meeting. There are some people who aren't meeting And we want to do what we feel is best for the people and the health. Um, With that, a couple of things to let you know of. uh, My aunt Rose's friend, Jay, is out of the hospital who had COVID. And um, but he's still recovering. Uh, They thought that they were going to lose him. It was very serious. Um, But he is getting better. Um, As far as I know, too, the Lopez family is getting better. Dave Lopez, I know he was very sick with COVID last week, but he's getting better. Um, And so this is something that is still prevalent and serious, especially for some people. We don't know why it it affects some. Our friend Obed, um, who's I think just in his 40s, again, you know, uh, died from COVID. And so he was not unhealthy or anything like that, but it just some of the things that happen. Um, With all that being said, we want to be safe. We want to show care and concern. So even like this morning, there's seven of us here, um, but we could fit a few more, I think easily, another probably five people, uh, and still be socially distanced, as it were. So if you would like to join us and aren't, you know, uncomfortable with being in a room with about... Uh, that 12 people or so um, you're welcome to join us again if you want to let us know you can email us at the info at the genesis story and just request to be here and we'd love to see you here um, and if you haven't been here in a while and you're just saying hey i'd like to go for that you can again it's going to be a small group so it's not going to be impactful there's probably less people here than at a restaurant um that starting to open up. So those things taking place, we want to move forward accordingly as well. Um, I, I do want to share with all of you to continue praying for Colleen and for the family. Uh, Corrine and I went and visited her yesterday and she's not doing well. Um, she's declined pretty rapidly. They have a scan set to for Monday if she can make it to the hospital She couldn't speak much and she was in a lot of pain. And it's very difficult to see the people you love in that condition. Um, You know, we prayed with her. We read some scripture to her and thanked her for just being such a a good example of Christ to so many of us. Um, You know, even Brent here this morning is here because of Colleen um, and the things that she put into his life. Uh, and she was very excited to hear that Brent was here and coming. Um, So many things I appreciate about her, and so please pray for her and her friend or her family uh, as the cancer seems to be spreading and causing a lot of pain in her body. And I know there's a lot of other things going on. Again, it's, it's exhausting, right? Rick was saying earlier, he's like, I can't wait for the election to be over, right? It's like, I can't wait for this year to be over. I can't wait for so many things to be over, but what I want is to be present now in what's happening. And so let's pause and let's pray and let's be present here or where you're at that God might speak to us where we are at. Father, we... Recognize that we are not in control of so many things. Father, we are not in control of our own health sometimes, whether it be from COVID or from cancer, allergies, things that are small to things that are serious. Father, we we have so little control on so many things that it can be overwhelming. It can be frightening. And it is something that drives us to our knees. It's something that drives us to you that we might, again, believe, trust in you through the difficult times, that you are there, that you are at work and that you care. And that is, Lord, what we desire is to trust you. We, we lift up our beloved friend and sister, Colleen. We pray that you would touch her body. We pray, Lord, we want healing. But, Lord, we know that that doesn't always happen. And so what we do pray is for your peace. We pray to take away any pain that she's having. I pray for Krista, Sarah, Sean, the kids, the family, Lord, that is around her and is fatigued and tired, caring for the one they love. Lord, may you give them strength. May you help them through this. May your presence be strong upon them, Father. And I thank you again for your faithfulness, in our lives, in Colleen's lives. And Lord, we do trust you for these things. And Lord, we ask that again, you would speak to us this morning through the things that we look at today. I pray that they would be helpful in us understanding a little bit more or or trying to grope our way to you a little bit closer, Lord, in ways that will be helpful in how we live. And we do pray these things in your son Jesus's name. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about reality and God. Now, just hearing that might make you think that this is about proving that God is real, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I've experienced in my life is not needing proof that God is real, but it's actually being real so that I can actually encounter God. You see, I think if people were actually real with themselves, then God would be much more apparent to us. And so when I say reality, I'm not talking about how things are in the world. I'm talking about the internal reality of our hearts and about where we really are instead of where we're pretending to be or maybe where we're denying that we really are at. There is a a line from a poet, Michael Nelder. I, I remember this one line, it stood out to me. He said, God, let it be the real you I pray to and let it be the real me who prays. And I remember that resonating with me because I thought, gosh, I know what that means. I know what it's like to to say a prayer, but it not be coming from the genuine me. Oh, 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 I can I can talk and I can pray and I I have the language and I have the facade that presents what I want people to see, or even what I want to see in myself. But sometimes underneath all that, there is more. And I wonder, do we let God know what that is or are we playing a game? And where do we find God? I mean, if God is real and God is present... Where are we going to find him? Some people will go out into nature into creation, you know down by the ocean, up in the mountains, and they want to find God out there. Some people go to to church or to temple, a place that is a a holy or sacred place, and they want to find God there. but location isn 't what 's important, not location physically, but location internally. Remember Moses was on the far side of the desert when he encountered God in the burning bush. It wasn't like this was a specific place. It was just a bush in the outskirts of the desert. Jacob, when he was fleeing, encountered God and made a rock for a pillow. And God was in that place that he called Bethel. Why? Because God was here and I didn't know it. And what we start to see is God's really everywhere and we just don't know it. It wasn't until there was an opening up, a a curiosity, an inquiry to, to find out what is going on that God then shows up. And we understand that he's actually there. This means that every moment is the right place. Every moment can be the right time to meet God. The God who is like Jesus that we spoke about last week. And what's important is if who we really are, the real us, is willing to listen to what God has to say. And and that's where I think this idea of being real comes into play. Who did Jesus speak to and where? He spoke to tax collectors at parties. He spoke to fishermen on their boats. And we're gonna look at one of those stories in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, starting at verse one. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, remember that means the gospel, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's he, Jesus, was standing By the lake, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, understand they were out all night. They were bringing everything back in. They were cleaning it. They were folding it up. I don't know what that takes, but I bet it's a lot. You know, I remember when I used to do painting and you'd be painting and then you would think you're all done. And so you clean the rollers, you clean the brushes, and then you find a spot that wasn't done. And you're like, ah! and so you have to go and get the brush dirty again or the roller and you have to paint and then you have to clean. It, and that was just painting with a you know, paintbrush and roller. I can't imagine what it would be like gathering nets again and like, okay, we just cleaned all this. But Peter says, okay, we'll do it. In verse six, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they were beginning to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. So many things in this story are interesting. First off, can you imagine a job interview where they ask you, why do you think you deserve this job? And your response is, oh, I don't. I really don't. I have no qualifications whatsoever. You know, you would be better off hiring somebody else because I just haven't a clue right? Great first impression, Peter, right? Jesus comes and he says, depart from me. I am a sinful man. His response to something that was overwhelming, the the presence of God was made known to him through this miraculous catch of fish, right? This spectacular thing that stood out to him. You know, those kind of coincidence things where it's odd or it's God, you know, kind of a situation. And this is one of those things where Peter was aware that this was more than odd, that this was actually God. And so his response confronted with this is to fall at Jesus's knees and says, get away from me. I don't deserve To be here. And maybe that's why Jesus came eating and drinking with sinners. Maybe they were the ones who would actually be real with Jesus, that they would be truthful. See, this was a truthful moment for Peter. Peter, at this point, didn't put up a facade. He he didn't try to impress Jesus. He didn't give him a verse that he knew from the Torah. He just fell at his feet and says, get away from me. I don't deserve to be here. And Jesus says, yes, you're going to catch men. He promotes them, right? Right. I'm not qualified. You should hire someone else. Great. That's exactly the guy we want. Right? it's like, what? What's going on here? And we would see later in Luke 10, when Jesus is sending out the disciples two by two, when he sends them out in verse three, it says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in midst of wolves, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Right, so, so Peter first comes to him saying, I've got nothing to offer you. And then Jesus sends him out there with nothing but dependency on those who would be receiving him. He sent them out in need. He sent them out to be dependent on others for their needs. See, Peter started out with nothing to give God and was sent out with nothing to do except with what God wanted to do. Through him, Jesus was ready to speak to people where they really were, not just in location, but in their position of life. And then in contrast, he had little patience or tolerance or interest for people who showed false pretense, right? The Pharisees, why do you call me good? None good but God. You're just testing me. Even the woman at the well, when she, you know, he says, Go get your husband, she says, I have no husband. He goes, Oh, you're right. You've had a bunch of husbands. The thing with her is then she became open and then she became real and said, Okay, talk to me. And that's what God is trying to do, is communicate to us, right? it had been taught that we could not find God if we were living in sin. At least this is kind of how I grew up. You cannot encounter God if you're living in sin, but it seems like sinners are the ones who he was actually revealing himself to. So it's a little bit confusing. If God is reality, then we will never find him if we are living a lie. And if our sinfulness is the truth, then really that's where God is going to be real and find us. Makes sense? It's no pretense, no hypocrisy. We're not playing a game. We're not acting. Instead, the ones who could not find God were the ones who acted like they didn't need the physician the ones who thought they knew God, they didn't have the need for God. Jesus had little to give to them. We see also in Luke 12, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. That is just a terrifying verse. That is just scary. Everything you do in secret is going to be known. First of all, who's it going to be known to? You know, we think, oh, no, my mom's going to find out, right? I mean, what are we thinking about that's going to happen? But I think this is really declaring that this is what God sees. This is what God knows. And so it's important that you don't fool yourself. And the thing that he warns the disciples about isn't about keeping these parts of the law It's about beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, which is acting, which is playing a part, but not being genuine, not being real. You see, Jesus goes to Peter who says, I'm a sinner, have nothing to do with me. And he says, you will catch men. He sends them out two by two. And he says, go with nothing. Go dependent. You mean, I I don't go with, you know, a a list of what I'm supposed to take or, or with some kind of, Authority? No, you go as a servant. You go in need, and that's what's real. And be careful that you don't play the hypocrite. God sees you. God sees me. The real you. The real me. He doesn't want the you that puts on the fake smile, the performing, the pretending, instead of recognizing and expressing your actual state of being. Which again, sometimes becomes something, well, I don't want to be the person who's just like a downer. Man, because sometimes things just stink and life is just hard. And I don't want to be a person who complains, but God wants to eat us like he did Peter in reality. God wants to meet us where truth is evident. The truth is my faults are more easily forgiven than the methods I use to hide them. Right? Jesus had no problem with Peter. What he had a problem was, was the playing, the acting, the hustle. Today, we have a problem of living anywhere but in the present moment. Have you noticed that? We, we live in the past with regret or nostalgia. Oh man, I wish I would have done that. Oh man, those were the good old days. Remember that? When, you know, I think of, they just watched Napoleon Dynamite the other day, Uncle Rico, right? I could have made state. I could, you know, it's like this living this dream that never was real. And we're not living in the present or else in the future with worry or wishing, oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, no, what is going to happen with the economy if so-and-so gets elected? Oh, no, you know, this idea of wishful thinking, oh, I hope I win the lottery, I hope I get that job. And and this idea of the, the future with worry or wishing, and so we've got this, you know, idea of regret and nostalgia and worry and wishing, and neither one of them are present. We distract ourselves even when we're in the present with entertainment, social media, food, alcohol work, so many things, right? We're busy, 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 and we we fail to actually sit in the moment of where we are, be who we really are, and allow God to speak to us where and who we really are. So many things blinding us, making us deaf to his voice, But the only place that God has access to us is right here, right now. And we need to understand that. Where I really am, as I really am, is where God has access to me. So then it is my responsibility to show up and to be present and to be genuine. If we get hold of this, it'll change our understanding of spirituality. Spirituality will not be attaining some higher plane. It will be being honest and being present. So no more trying to get somewhere. It's actually being somewhere but being genuine when we're there. And I want to look at a couple of ways that the failure to recognize this being present affects us. One is how much of our lives is focused on what we should have done or ought to think. How many times do we go to that place? Again, this is kind of the past. Oh, I should have done that or I shouldn't have done that or I ought to think this, right? I sometimes doubt God, but I know that's bad. What's bad is trying to pretend that you don't doubt God. That's bad, right? Peter didn't say, oh, I know I shouldn't say, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He just said, get away from me, God, I'm a sinful man. He didn't say, I shouldn't say this. He just said it. This was the truth, right? We have an inner condemnation that we think is the right way to think, but it doesn't help us to get better. Oh, I I shouldn't do that, right? Condemning ourselves does not make us better. It usually pushes us to ignore what really is shaping and happening inside of us. This kind of mindset does not allow us to be where we are at or name what is really going on in us without adding some kind of statement that proves we know it's bad. I know this sounds terrible to say, but... Isn't it awful? I know I shouldn't think that. I should be better than this by now. I'm such a terrible person. And see, instead of just saying, God, this is where I'm at, we say, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't do this. And are we trying to overcome our failures, our woundings, our brokenness by using the very things that God has come to set us free from, which is condemnation? I'm using condemnation as some kind of stepping stool to what? To denial. condemning and guilting ourselves. This is the very different than conviction, which draws us near, that helps us to see, ah, this is where I'm at. I know where I want to be, but this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. The reality of discipleship will name where you are, own it, and trust that God meets us there in that reality, as ugly and humiliating as it might be. I got to start here. This is where I'm at. And If I go, oh, I shouldn't be this way. Well, you are this way. Who cares what you should, shouldn't do? You are here, right? The woman who, who was caught in adultery was better off standing naked before Jesus in her shame than those around who were ready to throw stones, She was in a place where God received her. They were in a place where they did not really see where God was. In the living resurrected Jesus, we have the freedom and the safety to be right where we are, to name it without fear or deception. I don't have to make light of it. I don't have to whitewash it. This is what it is, whatever it is. We confess, which means we, we say the same thing as God. God, like Jesus said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He was saying what was true. And it did not push Jesus away. It opened access for Jesus to invite him to being more. And that's what it does when we confess and agree with God where we are. And we do this in the light of the cross and the resurrection. In the light of that, we find in Jesus, there is no need for blaming, hiding, pretending, justifying, dodging, minimizing, or self-abasing. I don't have to do those things because i I am naked before God who knows me and loves me and invites me into more right here. So why am I going to hide? Where am I going to hide? What am I going to pretend? The Eyes of God see. We believe, in other words, we trust that there is grace for us to own our stuff and be right where we are. Isn't that the beauty of Jesus? Is that He knows me and still loves me? There's no need to say, I know I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't do that. Oh, I shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't behave this way. There is no shoulding on ourselves. I said it. Without fear, We can own where we are because this is where God meets us. Any attempt to justify or explain it only ends up moving us further from where we are and therefore further from the presence of God. You see, if God is real, then only the real us will be able to encounter him. And that has to be in the present. There have been many times where I find myself holding on to a lie so strongly because I don't want to be seen as wrong. I'm ashamed. And so I hide it even from myself. It's as if my worth depends on being right because that's how we live. I have to be right. I have to have this standard. I have to act like this. God forbid if I would actually have a doubt. God forbid if I would be frustrated or impatient or, or lack faith and trust in God. I, I, gosh, I'm the pastor. If I don't have faith in God, who can have faith in God? Gosh, if it depends on me, we are all in trouble, right? I mean, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be real. If I'm going to be an example of someone who leads, then it's got to be someone who's broken. It's got to be like Peter who says, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. That would be clearer and true than pretending to be something I'm not. Your value can only be grasped when you are real and ready to be seen. Your worth can only be understood When you are genuine and willing to be honest and seen. Because that is when love can be touched. You know, when those babies are born, they they have no awareness of who you are. They they hungry, they cry. Go to the bathroom just because they do. And you just love them. You just embrace them. They're just the best. Even as they start getting older. Man, I I love my grandkids. And I remember my kids when they were that young and just so carefree. And just go through. I remember my daughter used to wake up singing. Who wakes up singing? Right? It's just, this is who I am. And she'd just wake up singing. Her value didn't have to be, oh, I have to be good for mom and dad. Oh, I have to stop crying. I have to stop wetting my diaper. I have to do these things. No, their value was in who they were right there, right then. And do you understand that that's true with you, myself? The second thing I think we fail to recognize is how God feels about us. God does not love us without liking us. There's a common thought that because God is so holy... He cannot look on sin. And like Habakkuk one thirteen, which says, your eyes are too pure to look upon evil and cannot look at wrong. We think that that passage at that period in that time embraces the whole mindset of God. But remember, the clearest picture of God is seen in Jesus, right? To get that picture, we have to look through the lens that he gives us, which helps us to interpret The scripture. Like Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, who came looking for them? It was God. He pursued them because he was aware they were no longer in that fellowship. We saw that Jesus actually gives Peter access and authority to his kingdom right after Peter confesses his sinfulness. Jesus describes his entire mission as seeking to save what was lost. So if God can't stand to look on sinners, what is this about? We even talked about last time, God being like the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go search for the one that's lost, like the woman sweeping the floor to find the coin and rejoicing like the, the father watching and waiting for the wayward child and rejoicing when they see them. So much of my life as a follower of Jesus was rooted in this identity of being cut off and cursed by God because I couldn't stop sinning. Man, I just got to stop this because... I'm just out of fellowship with God. I felt the divide between God and myself was so wide and and that Jesus was stopping the hand of God from smiting me because God could not stand to look at how wretched I was. And do you know what harm this does to a person in not allowing themselves to be real when they are condemning themselves in this way? I believed I was forgiven by God, but not really liked by him. Who wants a God like that? How can I go before him and be real if I don't think he likes me? If I think, man, today I really had a rough day, you know, man, I cut someone off in in traffic and I flipped them off and I kicked the dog and whatever it is, right? You do. Oh man, I blew it. I did all these things today. I can't come before God when that is exactly the time that I'm supposed to come before God. And I'm supposed to go, man, this is who I am. Meet me right here. And he says, I got something for you. Why? Because you are present and you are real, and that's where I work. In the brokenness, in the hurt. Think of that relationship. Think if you're a part of a, a family, but my parents don't really want me. Think if you're married, but your spouse doesn't really love you. This thinking of God is toxic. And it's not like Jesus. And oh, I know, I can pull a few scriptures from here and a few scriptures to there and manufacture a theology. But if I'm going to have a God that looks like Jesus, that theology has to crumble when we see what Jesus did with Peter, when we see what Jesus did with all his disciples, how Jesus even reached out to Judas. Something shifted when I began to understand that God doesn't love me when I'm good. God loves me because he's good. And that's huge. Because now it's not something I earn, it's something that is a part of who he is. The God who is always present and at work, the God who looks like Jesus, that God loves the actual me the broken, confused, the wounded, me. And we're all wounded. I mean, we all have stuff in our lives that have crippled us, that have tainted us, that have embittered us. And God loves that person. God loves the busted and the blessed, the broken and the beautiful me. And here's the crucial part. Unless the broken, busted, actual me receives the ex- and experiences the love of God in Jesus, I will never realize how blessed and how beautiful I am. And that even just sounds weird saying it, right? When's the last time you said you were beautiful, right? That's just a weird thing to say. It just sounds so foreign. But to think that God looks at you and loves you the way I look at my kids or my grandkids is overwhelming. That—that's how much He cares. That's how much He loves. God loves the real you, really, the real you, the actual you, not the you that you wish you were, or the you your parents think you should be, or the you you think you are supposed to be. The actual you, blemishes and all. God loves you. God likes you. God wants to be there with you. In fact, that's the only person he can actually be with. This is the you that God knows and loves because this is the only you that actually exists. Everything else is a, a, a facade the false self, the ego the self that is created by pride or shame can never have communion with God because it's not real. God meets us where we really are and can only meet with who we really are. And so to transform our lives, we have to start naming what's real. This is confession. Confessing our sins. This isn't a license to tell all the people that you can't stand, that you can't stand them, right? This isn't your ability to now just blast everyone and say, you know, I'm gonna be real, I hate your guts. Um, This isn't a license to go or pollute the people around you with the trash inside of you. This is ownership. This this is the starting line where God is waiting for you. And, And understand this, this is, This is where God meets you, but it's not where God wants to leave you, right? Just because this is where God meets you does not mean that he wants to leave you like this. The whole point of meeting you there is to take you somewhere. So Peter started on the boat. I'm a sinful man. He sent him out to go out with nothing. And even after Peter denied the Lord three times, what did Jesus do? He he met him, served fish, ate with him. Three times he asked him, do you love me? I wonder what was the tone of his voice. I wonder what was the, the point of it. You see, I don't think it was that Jesus didn't know. I think Jesus wanted Peter to know that he really knew. Peter, I really know you. I really know that you denied me. I really want you to know that I still want you to be a part to feed my sheep and to do the work. Yeah, the Peter who blew it, the Peter who denied me, the the Peter who I, I said this would happen. I'm not surprised. I knew you. Do you know you? See, the do you love me was for Peter to understand himself more than to answer God. God loves us enough to not only see who we really are, but see who we can really become and wants to move us into that direction. John says, By this shall know, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. God is greater than the condemn- condemnation that we put on ourselves. God is greater than Peter's failures. God still loves, God still uses, God still cares, but the only one God can use is the one who is real the one who is honest. And I think we have to look at the way we see and pursue God. You know, you can look at the stars with a telescope or a blanket. You can get a telescope out and you can tune it into one of those stars and you can see it flickering and there's a place for that. And if you're an astrologist, you'll know what star, what kind of star it is. And you might know how many light years away it is. And you might have all this information about that star, but then someone else can take a blanket and they can lay it out and they can lay down on a, a night where the lights are not blocking it out in the mountains somewhere. And they can just look at the stars And they can enjoy them and be present with them. Not know all the information, but just know the majesty, know the wonder and experience them. What's our relationship with God? Are we trying to know? Are we trying to get the information? Are we trying to do the right things? Are we trying to play the right part? Or are we going to sit down and let him see us? And just be there before him and allow the majesty, the wonder, the goodness to overwhelm us. And which one has a better grasp of the stars? I'm sure one in some sense knows more, but in the other sense, one experiences more. I pray that our relationship with God would be one that overwhelms us with his love for who we really are and that we would be real. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to play the games, pretend to be good enough, act like we don't have trouble, doubts, anger, Lust, eat too much, Been eating so much, this last month. confessing. Just be, hey, this is me. I need people who will love me, the real me, without the facade. You need people who will love you, the real you. And God does, and that's where we need to meet him. Let's pray. Father, it sounds so simple, and it seems so obvious. Of course, you love the real us. But God, I know the games I play And I can imagine it's similar to those who I know playing the same games, trying to look the part, trying to impress, trying to really hide the shame. I know what role the ego plays in my life, and God, actually, I probably don't. I probably just see a glimpse of it and it's you who who reveals these things just like you did to Peter. Something odd in God will happen to my life and it'll overwhelm me and I will fall on my knees and I will say, get away from me. You don't understand and you will say, no, I do. And that's when you invite us to be closer. That's when you meet us. That's when you help us to move forward. And right now, as I've been sharing these things, maybe some things have spoken to your heart. You, you see, you know what? I'm disingenuous. I, I'm playing a role. I, I'm, I'm really freaking out inside. I'm really not good. I'm really troubled. I'm really not trusting God. Or maybe you're at a place where you, you've never trusted God. You, you, you've never believed in God. And maybe just for the first time when you're seeing yourself who you really are, God is showing up there. And you're realizing, oh my gosh, the, the bush was burning all along. God was speaking. I just didn't hear it. And if this is happening to you, I, I wanna invite you to to pursue that, to to be genuine and to ask the Lord to receive you where you are. And maybe it'll first begin with God, depart from me, I'm a sinful Person, But understand the next response from Him is an invitation to get closer. And I pray that you would follow that invitation. And if you do, please let us know. Talk to someone about it. You can email us. You can come and visit us. We want to be real. That's what... God is looking for and we love to encourage that in each other and Lord I do pray that this is happening not just to me but to all of us Lord there is an opening there is a revealing there is a repenting there is a confessing and there is a freedom from condemnation from judgment from a false impression of who you are And there is a conversation that can begin with the God who is real and only deals with who we really are. And thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to talk about what I spoke on this morning, if you'd like to ask some questions We do that Wednesday night at Take Two, and so I hope you can join us and, again, dive into this a little bit deeper. Uh, This Wednesday, it'll be Brian and I kind of changing off with Randy and Brian, but we're going to be here at 7 o'clock. We're going to be talking about what I spoke about, and so if there's some things that maybe sparked something in you, um, come and share it with us. If there's some things that you're questioning, like, well, what about this? Come and talk to us. Um, you know, I don't have all the answers, but we can search th- together and find these things. And I, we do miss you guys. And, and we are looking for ways to to connect and be together. Uh, continue praying for the li- the living library that we talked about, or the human library, living library, human library. Um, we wanted to do this in Upland, but Upland is not allowing us to gather even at the parks. Um, So we're seeing what else we can do, whether it be in another close-by city or trying to do something here in the two buildings in the parking lot. Um, But we we want to gather we want to meet. We don't want to just stay virtual and remain disconnected. I know a lot of people have had a difficult time. I know a few people who have uh, started going to other places of worship uh, just because they feel they need to, and I understand that. You know, we love them, ask the Lord, bless them. But we want to do what we can to continue meeting and being the body of Christ here at Genesis. So I hope you can join us Wednesday or want to join us next Sunday and be praying about what things we can do. And may the Lord reveal to you who you really are. And may in that revelation... You experience his presence, his love, his freedom. God bless you guys. Miss you. Love you. bye You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.